from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. God, from the very beginning, outlined in the panorama of the stars the whole message of the gospel of Christ. What better way to appreciate the night sky than with a stunning illustration of the stars and constellations, accompanied by biblical descriptions of how each one proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. D. James Kennedy Ministries presents, for the first time, the exclusive Gospel Planisphere. This one-of-a-kind planisphere folds out to poster size and shows how, contrary to pagan astrology, God placed the zodiac in the heavens to proclaim the story of redemption. Contact us today to receive the Gospel Planisphere, a fold-out guide to the gospel in the stars that can only be obtained through D. James Kennedy Ministries. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. It's been said that people only remember about 10% of what they read. If you're in an audience listening to a speaker, you're only going to retain about 20% of the information the speaker presents. When listening to a speech or lecture or even reading a book, it can be easy to tune out and get distracted. Active listening is a technique that is used to process and retain what others are saying more clearly. Students often learn it to help with their comprehension skills. But it's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? We are constantly flooded with so much information, and yet we only retain a tiny amount of it. It makes sense, then, why sometimes important things seem to slip through the cracks. Often the people during the time of Jesus didn't seem to understand who he was and what he had come to do. But that wasn't for any lack of having been told. The Old Testament is, in fact, filled with a huge number of prophecies describing in stunning detail the person to come in the future who was to be Messiah. Dr. D. James Kennedy tells us more in his famous message, Prophecies Concerning the Messiah. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from selected verses from Micah, the fifth chapter, and from the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. May we Hear the word of God. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, 
Beginning with the third verse, we read these words. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And may God speak to us today through this portion of his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. One of the most remarkable things in all of the world is the huge number of prophecies that exist in the Old Testament describing a person who is to come sometime in the future who is to be the Messiah, the Messiah of the Jews and of the whole world. And there is nothing in any other sacred writing or any secular writing that even faintly resembles this. And if you stop to think of the difficulty of prophecies, especially anything like the prophecies of the Bible, but to prophesy things that are going to happen centuries to come, with a kind of accuracy and specificity that exists in the Old Testament prophecies. And these are not vague generalities. These are incredibly specific. You would have to do something like this. Let me just mention four and imagine the difficulty of trying to do this. If you were to sit down today and predict who would be inaugurated president in the year 2700 in the United States, assuming that there will be a United States in 2,700. Secondly, where this person would be born, and it must be a small town in a state like, say, Nebraska, in a town so small that it's not currently even listed on the state maps. And thirdly, that you must describe the various occupations of this president, that he would be a world-renowned teacher, that he would be ordained as a priest, and then he would become president. And then you must predict that he would be accused of treason and would be executed in a manner of execution which is not to be invented for several hundred years from now. Now, do you think that that would be difficult? Those are but four prophecies. The Bible, the Old Testament, contains 333 prophecies concerning the coming of Christ, which include 456 specific facts or details concerning the Messiah that is to come. 456 specific details concerning the life. 
And all of these were written between 400 B.C. and 1400 B.C. You can see the incredible difficulty that would exist. In a book, The Case for Jesus the Messiah by Ankerberg, Weldon, and Kaiser, we're told that uh, Professor Peter Stoner, Professor Emeritus of Science at Westmont College, examined the probabilities of just eight of these prophecies coming to pass. And he said that it would be, the probability would be one in 10 to the 17th power. Now, what does that mean? We're not used to dealing with figures like that, and so he tried to make it simple for us by uh, saying that if you were to mark a silver dollar and then put it in with a large number of other silver dollars and cover the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet thick, and in there somewhere is the one that has been specially marked, and then you were to take a blind man and you were to let him walk around the state of Texas, back and forth, up and down, every which way, thousands of miles he could spend walking, till finally he decides to stop somewhere at his choice. And then he's to reach down, dig around in silver dollars, and pull out one of them. The chances of his finding that silver dollar that you marked in that way is equal to the chance of only eight of those prophecies coming to pass. But there are 456 specific details that are mentioned. My friends, the chances are beyond my ability to even tell you. And of course, Nobel, winning, Nobel Prize winning scientists have pointed out, out that anything, if anything has a chance less than 10 to the 50th power, it will never happen even cosmically, never take place. So you can see the chances of this happening are infinitely far beyond the possibility that it was simply an accidental occurrence. So we see that what we have here are some astonishing prophecies, and they are not vague. They are very specific. <clears throat> to give you an example of one of them, we are told exactly when the Messiah would come. Over 500 years before Christ was born, the prophet Daniel told exactly when the Messiah would be anointed, when he would come, to the very year. It's the famous prophecy of the 70 weeks, the 70 weeks of years. And we are told that after 69 of those weeks, that will bring us to the anointing of the Messiah. Now, we know when the Messiah was anointed. If you look in the International Standard Encyclopedia of the Bible, you will find that scholars concur, agree that, that he, was, he died in 30 AD. You realize that the calendar was, they made a mistake when they adjusted the calendar centuries ago, and so instead of changing everything, they changed the birthday of Jesus to 4 B.C. He lived uh, about 33 and a half years, and he died in, thir in 30 A.D. His ministry was three and a half years long. We know that. And therefore, we know that in the middle of the year 26 A.D., Jesus was baptized by John and anointed by the Holy Spirit who descended from heaven upon him. 26 A.D.
Now, the prophet Daniel tells us that in 69 weeks of years, which is 483 years, that this would take place. Now, this starts, we're told, the uh, beginning point, the terminus a quo from which you begin, was the seventh year of the reign of Artaxerxes. That is clearly stated for us in, in the prophecy. And uh, I looked in the Encyclopedia Britannica to be sure I wasn't getting some uh, mere Christian distortion or bias on the matter. And uh, in, the, in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, it says in there that, and there went up some of the children of Israel to Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. They were going up to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, the Encyclopedia Britannica tells us this, quote, Artaxerxes I was the younger son of Xerxes and was raised to the throne in 465 B.C. by the vizier Artabanus. So he came to the throne in 465. Seven years later, in the seventh year, then this took place. If you subtract seven from this, you get 458. Now, if you subtract from that point the 483 years of Daniel's prophecy, it brings you to the year 25. Now, surely that ought to be close enough to satisfy you. We were trying to hit 26. Well, close is only good in, in horseshoes and hand grenades. The Bible can do better than that. We made a mistake. We forgot that, unlike mathematics, there is no zero in the calendar. Between 1 B.C. and 1 A.D., there are not 24 months, but only 12. So you pick up another year, which brings us smack dab into the middle of 26 A.D. Again, over 500 years before Christ was born, it was prophesied exactly the year in which he would be baptized. And uh, there is no question of when that took place in the Bible. And so we here have this astonishing prediction that the Messiah would be anointed in the year of 26 A.D. And where was this going to happen? Well, we read today from Micah the prophet, 700 years before Christ was born. He said, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now here he says that Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now you see there were two Bethlehems in Israel. There was Bethlehem in Judah, the tribe of Judah, and there was Bethlehem way up on the north coast of Israel, Bethlehem in Zebulun. So in order to specify which one, it was Bethlehem Ephrathah, which might be likened to say to someone coming to this country, I will meet you at the post office in Hollywood, oh, in Broward County, not the one out in California. So even the county is named Ephrathah, which means fruitful, was the area around that Bethlehem was a city in. And so the county and the city, and Bethlehem was such a small town, 
We sing even today, O little town of Bethlehem. It's still a small town. It was smaller than that then. In the list of catalog of cities that are given to us by Joshua and then by Nehemiah, in neither one of these is Bethlehem even included. You couldn't even find it on a road map. And yet 700 years before Christ was born, we're told exactly which town it would be. And this is not just an ordinary birth. We can talk about the beginning, the origin of Caesar or Alexander the Great or Napoleon, but Jesus had no beginning. He shall come forth unto me whose goings forth have been from old, even from everlasting. Out of the little town of Bethlehem there was to come forth one who has lived everlastingly. Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal second person of the Trinity, was to come forth out of this little town. My friends, that, that prophecy in itself is enough to prove the divine authority of the Scripture. But again, it is but one of 456. Why did he come? Well, we read today in the 53rd of Isaiah why he came. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He came to offer a sacrifice. Now the Jews in the Old Testament knew that the Messiah would be a great high priest to offer sacrifices, but they never dreamt that he would offer himself as a sacrifice. Now today, when confronted with this prophecy from the Old Testament, a Jew is most likely to say, well, that suffering Savior, that righteous one, is referring to the state of Israel. Well, my friends, that just won't wash. Any investigation of this makes it very clear that that will not do. My friends, I have just mentioned but very, very few, a handful of some of these astonishing prophecies. There is nothing like this in any other religious book in the world, the so-called 26 other scriptures held by religions in this world have not one single specific predicted prophecy. Nowhere does such a thing exist. It proves beyond any possibility of accident or chance that it is talking about the Redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It shows us not only that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah of God, but it shows us that the Word of God is divinely inspired and that it can be trusted. It demonstrates that there is a God because there is no way that these prophets could have made these prophecies if there, was, if there were not a God who had been inspiring them to know these things. We have seen the utter failure of secular prophets or any other kind. Only here do we find such a thing. And so I would say to you, my friend, Jesus Christ is the Messiah of God. He is the only hope of the world. 
He came out of his love for us and suffered agonizingly and died on a cross for our sins that we might be pardoned and forgiven and have eternal life. And yet some of you have never really surrendered your life to Christ. You've never truly repented of your sins or opened the door of your heart to invite him in. I encourage you to do so. It is absolutely certain that his word stands true. And one day you will stand before him. Will you stand before him knowing him as your personal Savior and Lord? Or will you stand before him facing him as your judge who is angry with you because of your sins for which you have no atonement and no possibility of forgiveness? One of the choir members today told me that you can't make a reservation in heaven without a Jesus card. Well, it's actually a master card issued by the only real master in the universe. Do you have yours? You can't get into heaven without it. You can have it by faith, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and trusting in his atoning death as the payment for your sins and as the purchase of the deed to a mansion in paradise. One of these days soon, we're all going to step right out, right off of our home planet. Do you have your master card? Dear friend, don't leave home without it. Let us pray. Father, how we rejoice that we have made our reservations, that they have been purchased with blood, the blood of the Son of God, and that thou wilt never leave us nor forsake us, that our inheritance is sure. Father, we pray for those that may be yet on the outside who have never yet surrendered their lives to Christ, Oh, God, I pray your Holy Spirit will draw unto him right now such as should be saved. Open their eyes and hearts to see and understand and to yield themselves to Christ as Savior and King. I pray this in his holy name. Amen. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? And are you trusting in his death on the cross to pay for your sins and purchase a place for you in heaven? If not, I urge you to not let another day go by. This Christmas, you have the joy of knowing the true meaning of Christ's birth in that manger long ago. He came to offer the greatest gift you'll ever receive, the assurance of salvation and peace with God, both now and for all of eternity. If you'd like to receive this free gift of eternal life, won't you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you for humbling yourself and coming to this earth as a babe in a manger. Thank you for living the perfect life and then dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and make me brand new. I place my trust in you alone and it's in your name I pray. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer and if you did, you have begun the greatest adventure of your life. To help you begin to grow in your new faith, we'd like to send you Beginning Again as our gift. 
To receive your copy, just write to our address or call our toll-free number and be sure to ask for Beginning Again. And may God richly bless you. Dr. Kennedy gives us a great reminder that the prophecies in the Bible are unparalleled to any other writing found in other world religions. That shows us that Jesus of Nazareth is, in fact, the Messiah of God. But did you know that God also embedded the prophecy of Christ into the creation itself? It has been largely hidden in recent centuries because of the abuses of pagan astrology. But God wove the story of redemption into the constellations of the zodiac itself. The heavens truly do declare the glory of God, and the heavens also show the story of Christ. We have developed a truly stunning resource on this that you will want to get your hands on as soon as possible. We call it the Gospel Planisphere, and it shows the constellations of the heaven in vivid detail and explain how each of the zodiac signs, which were later perverted by pagan astrology, point, in fact, to the gospel. It folds out to poster size and is utterly unique. You simply cannot find anything like this elsewhere. And we will send you the gospel planisphere as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. Some generous friends of this ministry have stepped forward to establish a generous Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge Fund to help us finish the year in the black. If you give right now, your impact will be essentially doubled as you match their challenge. So please, contact us right away to help us finish 2018 in the black, ready to move forward with gospel effectiveness in 2019. If you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will send you the Gospel Planisphere plus Dr. Kennedy's book, The Real Meaning of the Zodiac, which contains his research and writing on each of the zodiac signs and how they proclaim the message of the Gospel of Christ. And if you can give a donation of $100 or more, during this crucial year-end season, we will thank you by sending you the planisphere, the book, and the 13-message set of these messages on DVD or audio CD by Dr. Kennedy. They're called The Gospel in the Stars, featuring a message on each sign of the zodiac. You simply do not want to miss out on this resource. It's the most requested of Dr. Kennedy's entire ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 
3069. Or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries. 